What's up, family? Welcome to the E&D Podcast, Episode 2. We have an all-star as our first ever guest. You guys might know him by his gorgeous face. You also might know him by his gorgeous voice. Pierre Bouvier, everybody. Woo! Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Pleasure being here. By the way, we clap because see all the live, see the live audience out yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. Great. They're out there. Oh, They're having I a good time. It. I dig it. Um, Pierre, thanks for doing this, bro. It's a pleasure, man. Anytime I can be involved with Matt Ketchell, Nemo's not dead. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I love you, bro. Thank you. So listen, bro, I, um, obviously I reached out to you as, as our first guest. We've had, we've been in a couple videos together. Um, we've done two felt emo might delete videos. Um, we talked a little bit about, we can leak some stuff on the podcast, a little bit about your involvement on wanting to do a song on the album. Mm -hmm. And you've just been the nicest person to work with. Oh, and I want to say that like, is, is it a, is it a Canadian thing? I know that so, like, I went to Canada and everyone was so nice to me, but like, you're just so nice. Does it come from Canada? I'm not sure. I think it might, it might have something to do with it. I think people in Canada are generally pretty nice because the weather is pretty crappy most of the year. So you feel like, you know, you're, you're more social, I guess, when you get around people. Um, but uh, I don't know, you know, maybe, it, am I that nice? Dude, you're just you're. Should so, I tone it down a little bit? No, no, dude, it's it's <laughs> perfect, man. Yeah. It's just, and I told Gavin this too. I was like, dude, I. It's funny because listen, I, I've everyone that I've worked with has been nice, but you ooze such a positive energy, and I don't know. I just I just appreciate it. So I want well, I want you. I want to throw that compliment. And I forgot how did we connect? I was just gonna think. I think I forgot too. Um, I think that you reached out to me. Maybe let me maybe we can piece this together. Um, but I feel like I started following Emo's Not Dead, maybe, or I started following you because I thought you were funny. And then did you notice that I was following you and you're like, hey, I can't believe you follow me? Yeah. Or something like that? Or was it more that you reached uh, maybe you reached out to me to be involved in a video in a video? Is that I, how it started? Okay. I think that I noticed that you followed me and then I was like, Oh, I love hell yeah. I was stoked, first yeah, of yeah. all. And then I DM'd you and I should go back and try to find that. Ah, maybe it's, and then, I'm sure it's and there. And then I DM'd you and you were like, and I was like, hey, dude, I do this series, felt you might delete. And you're like, dude, I know. I've yeah. seen them. Yeah. And I, and I was stoked to be, I was like, I was, I was waiting. I was like, when is this guy going to hit oh. me up? I want to be on one of these. Bro, <laughs> I, my, my, my most exciting thing about this whole project is these are all the bands that I grew up listening to. And I started my old band because of bands like you guys. And so, Little by little, as my series got bigger and bigger, a lot of these singers and, and these band guys started following me. So, like, I just start to notice. I was like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, and it's so fun. So, yeah, I think that it must have been the follow. And then I DM'd you. And then the first one we did was the... Tony Hawk? The Tony Hawk video. Yeah, yeah. This is a funny part of this because um, this is my second time collaborating with Tony Hawk because he was actually in our... That's right. And this is a really funny story because he's in our I'm Just a Kid video because he was in the movie, mm. The New Guy, which the song was on. Yep. But this is really funny to me. Maybe not to you guys, but we'll see. Um, he's in my music video, yet he was never at the shoot and I never really met him. And I'm a skater, you know, I grew up skateboarding and it's it's a big deal for me to meet Tony Hawk. So he's in the video and people are like, how was it to meet Tony Hawk? I'm like, I never met him. I never met him. And then we did the Emo's Not Dead thing. And I'm like, I'm going to be able to do a skit with <laughs> yeah, Tony Hawk. With this and he shot his stuff before I got there. And I just caught him as he was leaving. He's like, I got to go. And I'm like, no, not again. I'm collaborating <laughs> with Tony Hawk, but I'm not in the scene with him. Uh, so it's pretty funny. But Have you looked up with him since? 
No. 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 He's Tony Hawk, man. He's busy. He's a busy guy. I mean, he's so business. That guy, he's got so much stuff going on. By the way, so when when you saw him in the parking lot, did you see him leaving in his car? Yes. No, I see. We said hi. We did we okay. did say hi. So I did get a chance to say hi and and then he took off. He's so he's so professional that he showed we had him for a window of I think 20 minutes. Yeah. Because he's a busy That's man. That's how busy he is. No, he's busy. Still to this day, and he's so, been that busy for what? 30 years? Yeah, dude. <laughs> if I not mean, more. It's wild. Is he arguably the most iconic skater of all time? 100%. Absolutely. He is, 100%. Right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, so he's busy. He's got the games. He's got the boards. He's like he's a busy guy. Yeah. And so he he comes in. I have, and I'm like nervous, and I'm like, oh, man. I was like, I have 20 minutes with Tony Hawk, yeah. and I have to get everyone, all the, all the crew and everybody quiet to explain what we're doing. So he comes in, very professional, like shakes hands, and he goes, all right, what are we doing? And I'm like, okay, cool. So this gets called Felt Me My Might Delete. It's to, it's to this song, I Do Anything, I believe. Yeah. It's to I Do Anything by Simple Plan, and Pierre's going to be here. I just explained the whole thing because he didn't even see the concept yeah, or anything. No idea. He has no idea. He just showed up to just do it. And he shows up, and he... Um, and he's, I explain in 60 seconds what we're doing. And I'm like panicked for time. I'm like, oh God, okay, Tony Hawk, 60 seconds. Okay, here we go. And then so I was like, I just need right now you to go up on that ramp and scream, hey dad, watch this. <laughs> and I was like, I hope this is okay that Pierre's playing your dad. <laughs> and then Tony's like, not, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, sure. It's just, just so casual. So he goes up to the ramp and then we just rolled on him like twice saying, hey dad, watch this. And he drops in, does his thing. You weren't there for any of that. No, I know. I wasn't there for it. That's wild. Movie yeah, yeah, magic. Yeah. People loved it. Yeah. People loved it a lot. It was funny. And he came back for the Patrick Renna, I'm Just a Kid, which was having a moment on... I mean, it's still going yep. huge on TikTok. Oh, my God. That else. thing is... Is it still gift, going? It's still keeps, going. The I'm Just a Kid ch- challenge thing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that thing is like... People keep doing it. And uh, I mean, it's not as big as it was before, but like, I mean, it's it had some legs, man. That thing was That thing was like a... I think it's billions of impressions billions. on TikTok, dude. And it's it really what's crazy to me is that it actually affected in a huge way the spins of "I'm Just a Kid." So "I'm Just a Kid" was a big song in Japan and in Canada. It didn't really break huge in America, but it was still like a signature Simple Plan song. So it was one of our big bigger, but not the biggest. And since then, it is the biggest streaming song is we have. No way. Yeah, really. So I, I have a question. When you say so, it got billions of impressions, right? But an impression means if someone saw it for like a second and scrolled yeah, past, yeah. maybe. When does a stream count? Like when, like when does it count that it's a stream if it's on TikTok, right? So if a fan's watching and I'm just a kid challenge, aren't all those streams for you now too? I don't think so. Oh, that's messed because up. Because it's only. And it's bending every day. I'm oh, you're right. Here it goes. I'm just yeah, it's probably oh. fractional. So it's uh, may, maybe, but I know that like here's here's the way that I think it's affected my band is that so there's billions of impressions, right? And for those billions of impressions, there's going to be a percentage of those that are going to go click on the song and say, "Oh, that song," and they're going and they're going to listen to it on whatever whatever it's Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, and then it becomes a stream. So so the mm. visibility you yeah. know turns into streams. The visibility makes sense for streams but like i still think that man it, it to me it seems so messed up on how many streams you have to have these days to make money i know it's, it's wild crazy you have to have multiple hundreds of millions to like to make, make real significant money. money yeah yeah i like I, one million spins is nothing i was yeah i was gonna say divided by all the writers and so on yeah. like i think so i think based on my research it's roughly five thousand dollars per million, million streams divided that's what it by generates that's what it generates so yeah you know. What's it, what generates divided by the songwriters, the producers, anyone who's attached to yeah. it. And back then, if you 
if you're single, when, when there wasn't digital music, if you're if you wanted music, you had to go buy even the single. One million people yeah. had to go pay for your single. Yeah. Oh man, it's very different. It's, it's very uh, different. It's it's changed the way that uh, that things happen. But I think that it's 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 you really got to have a big hit to make some real money, or yeah. you have to sort of you know take that popularity, that visibility, and turn it into something else. Or, yeah. A, a little a little concern of mine, I would say, on the Your Broken Hero stuff, and I love doing it. And so I'm gonna do it. We our Kickstarter crushed it, and and uh, our 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 fans helped us raise. How much was it, Gavin? Uh, two hundred ninety three thousand. Two hundred ninety three thousand dollars. Our Damn, fans that's raised. That's amazing. Uh, it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah, we spent it. <laughs> it's all it's gone. It's the thing. It's paying for Andrew Goldstein yeah. um, producing. Yeah. Um, it's paying for music videos. Music videos. So like, it's all spent. But it's at least we got the project covered, right? Yeah, yeah, that's great. But like, my whole thing is. And I'm not in it for the money. I love it because I want to do it, but I also want to be able to do it and pay my rent. Yeah, of right? course. Yeah. No. And so I'm like, I've been talking to Gavin about this and I'm like, dude, I was like, I wonder if the album will be successful enough for us to like sleep at night yeah. <laughs> for us to like, is it like, what is it going to do? I don't know. We were talking earlier and I was thinking like, you have the potential to create a song that would be an actual hit in the pop punk emo scene. It's, you know just the right song you you got a good voice and you never know and we have a great writer i mean goldstein yeah. is a legend he's amazing he's really written good. tons of songs with me and we've done some great songs yeah. together yeah. yeah one of Which, my favorites on our last record's called a million pictures of you and that's he wrote it with us and oh really yeah it's great he's what, a great guy what was writing with goldstein like we're like buddies like we did it we i met him years ago when we uh we were writing with another guy that he used to work kind of like work around and work with and we met him because he was like in this small room and like he was like pitching ideas for like here's a riff here's this here's that and like he's turned into one of the i mean best writers out there right now he's like crushing it so i've known him for it's got to be like 10 plus years oh wow i didn't yeah. know this from way back then yeah he was working with emmanuel yes Q. Uh, he goes by e-man yeah, e right uh, like that's his producer yeah. name e-man, e-man yeah. but emmanuel something and yeah, that guy's e-man, crushing e-man it. co-wrote with me and chuck uh our, one of our biggest songs summer in paradise which is featuring sean paul uh and uh so we, this is a song that we kind of started without him but we got together with e-man and he and he wrote the rest with us yeah and uh he's awesome and andrew used to work down the hall from e-man and just like i said like he would like e-man would be like what do you got, Andrew? You got you got some songs, you got some ideas, and like, oh, I got some stuff, I got some stuff. Yeah. And now he's like crushing it. So, dude, it's funny because when I was in my old band, It Boys, back in the day, we got paired with Goldstein. This was I don't know, ten years ago. Also, we got paired with him to write some songs with us, and we just clicked right away. We became friends. He's such a nice guy. He's a we, nice guy. We became Super we nice became guy. friends, and it's funny that in at that time he was doing all alt music, mm-hmm. the emo stuff, the pop punk stuff. The shit that he's doing now is like next level. Yeah. Like he's on Celine Dion cuts. He's on like Neo. He has Britney Spears, Demi Lovato. Like yeah. he's on like top tier. Like he's so amazing. I'm so honored to even be working with him. And when I reached out to him to, to do the Your Broken Hero album, I first reached out for one song. I was like, hey, would you want to write and produce a song with me? Um, and it was a letter to Ashley, our first mm-hmm. one. And I was a little, it's, even though he's my buddy, I was a little bit nervous about asking because I don't, 
I don't love asking for favors. Yeah, no, it's a big ask. It's a know? big ask, yeah. and he's a big producer now. Yeah. And he was like, dude, hell yeah. We did that song, and then I reached out like a year later, and I was like, I kind of want to do another one. Um, and we came up with Tommy's Face with featuring Spencer Chamberlain from Under Oath. Yeah. And um, and then he, we just have so much fun in the studio that when it You got to bring me in, man. You got to bring me in. You're, gonna, you are. Yeah. You're, you're coming in. It's going to be And so I fun. can't wait. And then finally, I was like, hey- I think we're going to try to commit to a whole album. If we do a Kickstarter and raise money to do an album, would you be down? Or or do you want me to try to bring in other writers? He's like, I want to just do it. Let's like like let's just do it together. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, You're my freaking Plus, I'm hero, sure bro. For for him, it's it's his wheelhouse. You know, like it's he grew up on this stuff. And yes, he does a lot of big pop projects that are probably you know to some degree a little stressful too. But like to be like, Hey, we're just going to make some pop punk music. I yeah. would imagine knowing Andrew a little bit. Yeah, he's probably like, Yeah, that sounds like fun. He's exactly. enjoying it. And yeah. he he even told me in the studio, he's like, Bro, he goes, I like doing this shit, yeah. man. It's fun. Yeah, and we have a good time. And like, I don't know, man. That's I'm awesome. just I literally feel like. I feel like in a weird way, my dream is coming true way later in life than I thought, mm -hmm. which is better late than never, yeah, right? For sure. But like I've wanted to do music for so long and I I was in a band. I did warp tour. I toured for four years. I like tried. Um label complications. Don't want to get into that. Yeah, for, yeah. Had to break up the band to get off that label and and so I it's cool to have a second chance. Uh, and you're finding your own path. And that's like your path is very creative and very cool and different. And yeah, maybe it's not what you planned, but I think it's it you've you've the cool thing is that you made your own path. You know what I mean? Like you're not going down the route that everyone's chasing for that record deal. That it's like the cookie cutter thing that everyone's going for, right? Get signed, do video, get a hit song. You're like, no, no I'm. Not. You didn't give up, and you're doing something that's your own. Yeah, we we're in charge, and I love that so much that like it's it's our brand, and we don't have any rules. And like when we considered when at first we weren't sure if we were going to raise the money from the fans. We're like. Well, if we do sign in with a label, and I hear about all these stories that people um, are with labels, and they say, you can't release this till summer. That's not going to be your yeah. single. We're actually going to hold on this. And I just want to give the fans content. I want to shoot it and then give it to them. All right, guys. Taking a break to tell you about today's sponsor, Emo's Not Dead Apparel. You may have heard of it. If you haven't, Emo's Not Dead has the highest quality merch in the scene. They just released the E&D signature range. A simple yet subtle design that you can practically wear every single day. I'm wearing the black signature range hoodie right now, and I feel outstanding. The signature range is my everyday shit. Check out the signature range and more at emosnotdead.com and use the code PODCAST for 10% off your order. Now back to the pod. Is it a little bit of a back and forth with the, with the label and... It's funny because I hear a lot of these stories of people like, you know, you're signed to a major. What's it like? It must be. And for me, I have to say, and we're not, we're done with a record deal, by the way. So we're not on the, on the lava like we used to be or Atlantic. Um, but my experience with being on that label in the beginning was always a positive one. And I think it's a lot to do because my A&R guy and the company that we were signed by, which was Lava Records, which is Jason Flum. And uh, our A&R is Andy Carp, and uh, they really believed in us, and they kind of let us do our thing, which mm. is I know unusual. And we we got lucky, you know, we got a good team of people behind us, and we got lucky also because our music really connected with fans, so we sold a lot of records. So then, when you come out with your debut record selling three million, three point five million records, and, and you did it, you're, you know, you you wrote it all yourself, and you did it yourself. Um, the label trusts you. They're like, okay, yeah. you guys are the young guys that you know know what's hip or cool or whatever. So they kind of let us do our own thing. And then our second record, 
did great. We did it with Bob Rock, and it was a great experience again. The A&R came in once in a while, like how the song's coming along. Well, here's what we got. All right, cool, guys. I love it. Keep going. Sweet. And we made our second record that sold another 2.5. And then, of course, Napster came along, and then things changed. Yeah. Uh, And then also, the the whole musical landscape kind of changed, you know, in the around 2006, seven, and it was like all Timbaland and Justin Timberlake, and yep. we were like, what are we going to do? Right. Yeah. Nobody's playing you know, pop punk music. But anyways, for me, being on a major label was a good experience, and we were able to finish out our record deal. All of our, We don't owe anybody any money. We recouped everything and made money, um, and now we, we sign individual deals with every record so far, and we do it with some independent companies or some, or some different things, and we have all the power. It's... It's fun, but it also is kind of challenging because when you have a big label behind you, they do, I mean, for us, they did give us some direction. You know, they were like, yeah, we like this song. This should be the single. Now we're like amongst ourselves, but what do you think the single should be? I don't know. What do you think it should be? Right. You know? Yeah. But we've always been very involved and our drummer, Chuck, is um, really been sort of in-house manager. We have a manager, Eric Lawrence in Toronto. Um, but Chuck has always been crazy business oriented for the, for the band. So we've always kind of self-managed in our own way. Um, but yeah, so my experience with being on on a major label was maybe not typical, but it was a good one. Yeah. And now, now you have the, the, the ability to, to shop it around and and do all that. Um, so, so maybe, maybe if we could take a step back a little bit and to the beginning of simple plan and, and growing up in Montreal and, you know, being, you know, from what I understand, you were in one band before Simple Plan. Is yep. that right? Yeah, yeah. So Chuck and I, uh, we started our first band together. We were 13 years old. And yes, we are now 43. So 30 years ago. 30 years oh, ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I, wow. I, yeah, I started a first band and it had a couple of different names. It was uh, something like, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, Stone Garden, you know, back when we were big oh, Pearl Jam okay, Nirvana days. Okay. It lasted like a couple of months. It ended up being a band called Roach and then Reset. And then we had, we made two albums, on, signed on an indie label and toured across Canada and sold maybe like 25,000 records. Um, and that that's, was, that's something. Yeah. yeah that that's was like, something, dude. that yeah. was the school of Simple Plan. That band kind of broke up and we reformed Chuck and I and two friends from high school in 99 with Simple Plan. And we had, we had these dreams because we knew we had been in, an, in a, on a band that sold a few records, mm-hmm. made no money because it was just not organized. Um, and we knew at that point, we're like, we're not going to do that again. We're going we're gonna to like, and at the time, in 99, Enema of the State had come out. Right. Green Day was already a huge powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we want to be more than just selling out our local bar. And we used mm-hmm. to do shows for a thousand people and that was amazing. But like, we're like, we want to go that, and do that. Your old band did? Yeah. Well, that's, dude, those are some numbers though. Yeah, we, that's crazy. We, we did okay. Um, was it in the same vein, like pop punk or it was, was it more punk? It or? was more punk. It was more metal. So our guitar player in the band, long hair, fan of Deicide, uh, fan of like all metal bands, like uh, Creator, all that kind of stuff. And he was really heavy into... So we sounded like Pennywise, but with my melodic approach for vocals and all that. Right. Um, and so when we started Simple Plan, we were like, Enema of the State is dope. That record is so good. And we love, of course, Cheshire Cat and and Dude Ranch and, and Green Day stuff. And we're like, we want to make stuff that's like more... And I've always been a fan of pop music. And I, I was like, I want stuff that's a little bit more than just you know mosh pit and so we started simple plan and we started writing songs like i'm just a kid and uh perfect and addicted and i do anything and mm-hmm. we're like this is what we want to do now 
Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's how it kind of started. So let me, let me ask you this. So how did you, how did you shift from songwriting the way you did before that was more on that metal side? And yeah. obviously you said you put your like melodic, uh, you know, influence on it, but like, did you guys like, how'd you guys start changing your sound? And like, how'd you, like, were you like, okay, we're going to change our sound. We like these bands, like, and you just started writing from there. Yeah. Well, like I said, the guitar player in the band reset he he could barely strum a guitar. He was just j -j 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 -j. Yeah. that's what he did. And so for the two records that we did, at some point for me creatively, I was like, I want to do something that's like not just j -j 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 -j. yeah. And that's kind of how it naturally went that direction. And uh, but I, like I said before as well, um, Blink One Eighty Two, just the fact that they were blowing up and the, the songs was like all the small things. What's my age yeah. again? We felt like that's what I want to do. I want to do something more like that. So you know, I got exposed to. Um, the Southern California uh, punk rock scene, I guess you would call it, like Pennywise, Bad Religion, through like uh, snowboarding movies. Right. Mm. And I got into like No Effects and No Use for a Name and Lagwagon and Strung Out and Ten Foot Pole. And for some reason, where I'm from in Montreal, that scene exploded. Mm. And I know that because I've spoken to a lot of these bands who I've now played shows with. Right. Um, and it was like they were big in Southern California and they were also big in. Montreal and Quebec in general for some reason. So for me, being a 13-year-old kid that started going to shows, that scene was like Fat Records, Epitaph Records. They were blowing up in Montreal, and that became like where I learned to to really love music. And for me, like a band like No Use for a Name uh, was more melodic, and that's really what I got into. But the scene in Montreal was like, that's how I, I, I picked up on this pop punk thing. And I thought it was that big everywhere. I thought it was that big in you know, in Florida or in, you know, wherever right. else it was, but it was a thing in Montreal. Yeah. So Gavin and I were talking about this earlier when we were kind of prepping some questions for you. And I think it leads perfectly to this. It's so funny that the emo music or like not even emo music, but like the emo scene, you have bands like Simple Plan and Blink, and then you have Act Like, then you have Under Oath and you have Silverstein and like very, very different bands, but they all fall under the scene. When did when did you realize that Simple Plan started becoming part of that scene and being included in the, in emo? If that yeah. makes sense. That, like when? Like was it a certain song that kind of like pushed you that way? Be, like because some of these other bands we're talking about that you, you were influenced by Pennywise and Bad Religion, like those are far, those are so far from emo. No one would ever consider yeah. them emo. So like when did you first realize Simple Plan was part of that culture? It it has to be Warped Tour. Okay. So oh, yeah. we came out like sort of like following the coattails of like Green Day success and Blink One Eighty Two, and it, when it started blowing up on, on MTV, um, you know, it was. And, and I'm aware that Simple Plan is on the way poppier side of things. Like if you t look compared to like Under Oath or stuff like that, it's definitely we're on the more poppier side. But on Warp Tour, we were accepted. You know what I mean? And there's other bands from before our time, like or around our time, like MXPX. MXPX considered a punk band, but yeah. they've got songs like. You know, chick magnet, chick magnet. Like they're they're yeah. super yep. poppy. Yeah. But they can play on warp tour. And yeah. And so for us, it was a similar kind of thing where yes, we were more poppy, but we were alongside other bands that were that were heavier, but we were we could hold our own yeah. in live music. And there was fans that loved that kind of stuff. And Vans Warp Tour was the greatest place for a band like us. And uh I mean it was 
what is it, 20, 24 years, 25 years running? Yeah. Um, longest, longest running American music festival. Yeah. And is on that it? tour, wow. you'd have you'd, you'd have stuff like Katy Perry played on one year. Right. Yeah. Sugar Ray played one year. Then you have bands like the old timers, not old timers, but the more uh, like Bad Religion play on a No Effects or Pennywise. And so I think um, we always knew that Warped was a place for us to hang on to that scene. You you nailed the answer by saying warp tour. And the reason why I say that is because 303 is not an emo band, but but, they'll, warped. but they'll but they were on warped yep. and they were huge on warped yep. and they had that that energy. And now you play 303 at an emo night and pe- and it just goes off. All yeah. roads lead back to Kevin. I'm Lyman. a vegetarian and I'm, I'm fucking, fucking scared, scared of him. him. Yeah, dude, dude so it's sick. just like and like I did some I did some content with those guys, super fun guys, and we had this conversation and, and it's just so it's so interesting because when people that don't quite understand the scene ask me or like in an interview and they're, they're saying, well, how come you how come you did a skit called Felt Email Might Delete with Blink-182? And I'm like, it's all under right. it's all yeah. under this this umbrella of the scene. Yep. And that scene was birthed by by Warp Tour. Yeah, it really was. Totally. Kevin Absolutely. Kevin Lyman. Yeah. Kevin Thank Lyman. you, Kevin. I was on the Kevin Says stage, I think all four years we or yeah, I think all four years we did the Kevin Says stage. Nice. What was the first moment that you felt like you truly made your mom proud? And I know that our moms are always proud of us for, you know, anything and everything that we do. But like, was there a moment? Was it like when you hit radio? Was it when you got a record deal? What was your moment where you're like, oh, man, I I really made myself proud? My, yourself proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have to give my parents a lot of credit because I think that they've always made me feel like they've been proud of me. Yeah. And uh, you wouldn't guess it from like, I'm sorry, I can't be perfect. Uh, but, (laughs) but they really have always supported the band and I've I've always been there sort of making me feel like I'm good at what I do. But I think that when, you know, when as a, as a guy in a band, when you start getting real success and you sold, you know, get some gold records and some platinum records and then suddenly you're making money. Yeah. Because when I was younger, you know, I'm in a band and my parents are terrified for, I'm dropping out of school and, uh, well, I dropped out after high school. So I finished high school. But then I'm like, mom, I want I want to do this for you know I, I I can't go to school and dedicate myself to being in a band. It doesn't work. I can't do both. So I'm gonna stop going to school. And they got they were pretty terrified, and they were like, "What are you gonna do for money?" And I'm like, "I don't care." I'm like, "I don't yeah. I don't care about money." And I I I want want to do this. I think I'm good at it. And whatever. I don't need money, which is in hindsight a little you yeah. know crazy. But that's that's what that's what you got to do to get there. But so when you for me when I started like making a real living out of what i'm doing and like i can buy a house i can do all this stuff i think that's when your parents are like wow like you've really yeah you've made it you know what i mean you like turn you, it into an actual yeah career. like it's not just a pastime you're not just a guy in a band like you've made a career and you've made some serious you know life-changing money where you can do things you know yeah but they were already proud of me my dad for our one of our first one of our first real tours as simple plan we opened up for sugar ray which is a bit of a weird mix but they were on the same label as us, and we did a, a college tour with them before our record came out. And my dad, two weeks before we're about to leave, and I'm I'm renting a van and a trailer and all that stuff, and we're gonna sleep whenever we can. My dad's like, I would like go with you guys, and I could drive. Um, my dad's got a big motorhome, and uh, I'm like, well, you can't just say that. Like, you gotta like, do you really want to do that? Yeah. And my mom's like, my dad's name is Real. She's like, Real, don't say that. You can't. Like you'll you you would never do that, and he's like, no, I think that'd be really fun, and he did. He came on tour and and 
took his motor home. We stuffed all the gear underneath the motor home. Incredible. And he was our, we pulled up at Sugar Ray with a big ass motor home. That, that it, fun. dude, good and, uh, dad. Yeah, good, so a good dad. dad. I wish. So I for wish. Th- three and a half weeks, he was on tour with us uh, in Sugar Ray and, you know, college towns of, of, of the Northeast of America. Yeah. And, uh, so he's always been super supportive. Sugar, and Sugar Ray had a little bit of a punk background too. Didn't they, they did. I mean, the first record that blew up was that with the Green with the Machine, Fly right? was the, ah, I just want to fly. But the whole record was like da, da, da. so people bought wow. it for like I just want to fly, yeah. and the whole record was kind of punk. Yeah, and then oh, they wow. were like, wait a minute, we should probably focus on songs like I just want to fly yeah. to make that money. Yeah, exactly. So so kind of going back a little bit, Simple Plan's big break. Like you know, no pads, no helmets, just balls. Amazing. Thank album you. title, by the Thank way. Thank um, what, you. What was the big break? Like, what really pushed that out? Um, how did it blow up? I think um, it's hard to pinpoint exactly one thing, and I think that's kind of what has shaped me as a person. And sometimes when you say, like, you know, why are you so nice? or I, what, I think it's because I never feel, and we never feel as a band, that we really, like, oh, my God, we blew up. It's that one song, mm. and it was everywhere. We never had that moment. We were never on the Rolling Stone, cover Rolling Stone. We never, for some reason... Got to play on David Letterman. He, the, wow. the person that booked that one didn't like us. Does that bother you? It does bother me a little bit. <laughs> we played, uh, you know, Leno. We played Craig Kilborn. We played uh, uh, Coco, Conan O'Brien. Okay, yeah. We Conan played Jimmy Kimmel. And never played Letterman. No, they never want to have us. But my point is that we never blew up super huge. So I feel like even the beginning of the band, like we started, I'm Just a Kid did well in Canada, did well in Japan, kind of a failure everybody else, everywhere else. Hmm. And then... I do anything started getting played on K Rock, and then it, but it wasn't really blowing up. And then we got offered a tour with Avril Lavigne, and that helped. So it's kind of like the biggest song we had on the first record was Perfect, and it was like a top three or top four or five something like that on the Billboard 100, which is huge. Yep. And but it never felt like we really really blew up. So I just feel like we. It, it, I I know what you're saying. It was so it was so gradual for you that you got you just got. You stayed normal. Yeah, let's put it that way. You, you, and maybe you the biggest like, moment, maybe the biggest moment would be maybe we we did on I think it was New Year's Eve two thousand two to three or three to four. We did um, at MTV. We did the live as the ball was dropping cool. performance there. Yeah, and that felt like that felt like we were big. I was like, oh my god, we're at MTV. We're in the thing with the windows. The ball is dropping. Times Square is filled with people. There's That's confe- sick. There's confetti That's so outside. Sick. Everyone's like, and, and we were the band that was like, in five, four, three, two, one, Happy New Year. Dude, oh, that's rad. That's a huge and, moment. And, and that felt rad. like, oh. So yes, I'm going to take back what I said. That, that was, was the, the moment, oh shit moment. That I was like, we're huge. The oh shit yeah, moment. That's yeah. Damn. It's funny because when you said like, you're like, we've kind of just gradually gotten there to where it's yeah. never been like a skyrocket moment. I always, and I have friends in this situation, but like I always think about uh, the the cast of Twilight, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And I do know three of them very well, and they're all just great people. But imagine just going from nobody knows you, and it, it's not it's not like a grind where. Listen, I did the grind thing where it's like I had a thousand followers, then two, and then three years later it was fifty thousand. Like I did that to where it's felt like that for me too, as far as social media. Yeah. That getting to a few million followers on my handles just felt like. I don't know an everyday yeah, climb. Yeah, yeah. These some some of these people, well, the, they're just mining their everyday business, and they blow up, and then they're Taylor Lautner in Twilight. Yeah. They're yeah. Um, they're the cast of Gossip Girl. They're Deco- they're um, I don't know who what's her name. Dakota Johnson was in Fifty Shades of Grey. Like yep. that must be such a crazy feeling for these people mm-hmm. that actually just blow up out of nowhere, and then suddenly they're a superstar. And I think 
a lot of people that become divas, that's their story. Mm -hmm. I feel. In the long run, it does better for you to actually take that climb. Yeah, yep. I think so too. Okay, family. Time to take another break to tell you about our other sponsor on today's podcast. Emo's Not Dead Coffee. Emo's Not Dead Coffee is freaking delicious. I literally drink it every day. The coffee comes in three varieties. The Screamo blend, the Broken Heart blend, and the Triste Mexicana blend. Am I saying that right? I keep my cabinets full all month long with my coffee subscription. And as a coffee subscriber, I not only receive 10% off on my coffee, but 10% off all of my Emo's Not Dead orders when I add merch to my upcoming subscription. So come on down to emosnotdead.com. Get horny with us. We've had an amount of success that has been great for me on a personal, you know, financial level. I've made some decent money and had a great career, but I've never blew, I, I can live a pretty anonymous life. I, I live in a small town and right. I, I can go to the grocery store and I'm, I'm not getting bothered. But, um, so I like that balance of it all. What did you do with that first big check? Believe it or not, I put it all away. Really? I saved it. Good for you. Yep. I saved and did, it. did you, what'd you say? I bought a laptop. Oh, nice. there you go. There yep. you go. I bought a Mac laptop. And, and I that was, was a big deal. That was a big deal. That yeah. was a big deal. It was like 2500 bucks, something like that. And I was yeah. like, whoa, this yeah. is a lot. When you were saving that money, did you have an idea on like, I'm saving for a house or just I'm saving for my future? I think I just, I, I had a, a good friend of ours who was like a, our accountant at the time. And uh, I was like, he was like, you got to put this stuff away. And I'm like, you're right. And luckily for me, I put that money away. And then over the course of the next couple of decades more money came in yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, so yeah i don't it know if i would have been stopped there. i don't know if i would have been wise enough to put that money away and if the money stopped to leave it there yeah i probably would have spent it but uh so you were you were always kind of thinking like what if i can't scale simple plan i gotta have a, a nest egg yeah i think that my my dad's a hard-working guy and my my parents are smart people with their money and um i feel like i was raised in a way where i never felt like because i know some people you know that they get a big check and they spend it yeah, and I feel I've always feel like you you got to own your house. You got to dude. You yep. got to buy things. You have to make it last. You know, it's easy to assume uh, that the money coming in is going to come in like that for a long time, but it doesn't always. So save it up. That's an obvious one. But I think for for people today, it's it's so weird because when I started being in a band and when I started chasing a career in music, the rules were so different. You know, what I mean, the the world was so different. How you got signed was different. There were gatekeepers. There were labels. There were things that. You just couldn't get past. You had to get signed, and that was just the way in. Now, I mean, this is gonna sound really dumb, but like, or very obvious, um, social media, man, like labels and people that are looking to sign bands and artists now, very rarely do they even sign you if you don't already have a built-in audience. Like you, yep, right. Because I worked with a kid, you know, uh, that lives nearby my house, and he's amazingly talented, but doesn't like doing social media. I'm sorry, Beckett, I'm talking about you. Um, and uh, and like it's been really hard because he's super talented. We did some great songs together. We did like eight songs together that are not even all, not even out all of them yet. Um, but like you gotta push yourself. You have to do social media. You have to do all that stuff, and it's work. And yeah. now like the artist has to. Put in the work first, and the label goes like, okay. It's almost like Shark Tank, you know, Shark Tank. Yeah. You go there, yep. and they're like, what are your numbers? I, you know, have you have you figured it out yet? And then we'll give you money to do. It. They don't come in and say you have a cool idea. We'll set you all up, you know. Yeah. So, well, so by, by the way, in in an interesting way, I, I listen. There are so many talented people out there, but a lot of talented people don't put in the work to build their fan base, to put their music out there, to go on tour. Yep. So in a way. 
I kind of respect that role of being like you that of you being signed by having a built-in audience first. Yeah, it, I mean, Bec- it, it, there's no other way around it. You have to be a hardworking person now to succeed. I think you do, unless yes. you are an in, an insane talent that the world has never seen, which is very rare. Yeah, um, I think it's mostly hard work. And look at you. You're working. I know you work your ass off, and you created something amazing. Thank and you. you guys together. Thank you. Crushing appreciate it. it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. But um, I, I want to ask one more question on this, or like give one more comment. So yes, the majority of people this day and age have to work very hard in order to become successful. But then TikTok has kind of changed that a little bit. Yep. And what I mean by this is not that these, not that some of these TikTokers aren't working and that and not putting out content, but like, and by the way, this is like, I'm not throwing shade at anyone uh, specifically, but there are dancers and that blew up and have 40 million followers on TikTok from just doing, setting up their iPhone and just doing dances to popular songs. And now they're multimillionaires. Yeah. And that shit blows my mind. But sure. you have to capitalize on the moment that you are around in your career. Look at Simple Plan. Do you think Simple Plan would do as well if it came out 10 years later? Absolutely not. We came out at the time when, like I said, again, on the coattails of Blink-182, there were bands like Good Charlotte, Sum 41, Simple Plan, New Found Glory. And we, our success is in part because, yes, we created that music and we we worked hard, but it was the timing of the desire for people that wanted that music. Yeah. So that's the same thing with your Vine, the same thing with TikTok. So, yes, some people get, you know, that, that astronomical push because it's the right time, but Try now to become a TikToker that's going to become 40 million followers by dancing. Yeah, probably can't do it now. No, unless you're really hot or something. That's true. No, but by the way, there will be something else. Yeah, there will be. There will always be another thing. It's going to be so interesting to see what that is. Yeah, 100%. Getting a little bit more uh, recent in in our conversation, you just got off the Blame Canada tour. You mentioned Sum 41, which made me think of that. It was the first time we went on an actual tour with them. We had a bit of a rift at the beginning of the of the band. I can I've told this story many times, but uh, but we buried the hatchet a long time ago, and we finally got together for this tour. um, And it was just awesome. It was great. I mean, it was still. Kind of like in COVID times. So there was a bit of like, you know, we couldn't do too much. We're not going out and partying and stuff like that. Plus, we're all getting older, so I don't I don't really drink on the road anymore. Um, but but the tour was great. The shows were all sold out or pretty much 99% sold out. Wow. And uh, we had a great time. And we loved it so much that we went on tour with them uh, in Europe after that and did that. And, uh, and now we're going back on tour this summer. The Offspring headlining and Simple Plan Sum 41, we're going to be flip-flopping every night and oh, doing cool. You know, I just realized something there. really funny. Huh. Look at what you're wearing and look what at what I'm wearing. wearing. Oh, you guys are... Dude, are we matching, bro? <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> With black socks, too? <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> bro. Black this socks is, and white this shoes is, is re- We did not great. plan this. We didn't plan this. We just have a vibe. That's wow. hilarious. Role model used to be an apparel brand that you used to run with uh, your your partner Chuck. Yes. Um, maybe you can speak on on role model. What what kind of spawned that? I you know I was doing my research and uh, noticed that you were rocking that in all your music videos. Mm-hmm. You were very savvy with the marketing. You mm-hmm. prepared it well with with Simple Plan. So what what was role model and and where did it end up? So. Um, Again, mentioning Blink One Eighty Two when they, you know, when we first oh, started, uh, yeah. Well, we kind of modeled a lot of what we were doing on what they were doing, and they had a guy named Cheetah who was their videographer that would film everything. So we needed a videographer. So one of our friends, his name is Patrick, Patrick Langlois, awesome friend of ours, mm-hmm. uh, became our videographer, and he came on the way. He was like our sixth member of the band, 
And he was he was the one that had the idea we should do a clothing line called Role Model. I had this name. It's going to be great. And yeah, Mark, you know, Mark and Tom had Atticus and had uh, what's the other one? Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Anyways, they had all their stuff. And and back then the style was like a blank T-shirt with the name of a company. That was what they were. Mm, you know, I wish it was that easy nowadays. I know. Damn. <laughs> yeah, just like you got right there. No, you're right. Shit, we have just emo's not dead, and that's what we sell. But Shit. so so we started that with my buddy Patrick, and uh, we had a. Uh, we had a merch company that used to do simple plan stuff, and we said, "Can you just like make this as a band merch, and we'll do a website?" And we just decided, like, why would I wear Hurley or Billabong, which I always used to wear? Uh, I should just wear my own stuff, and we just did it, and it was simple stuff, and it was great. And then, unfortunately, years later, it did pretty good. We were making some good money doing it. Um, and then, after a few years, there's a company in the UK that's called Role Model Clothing, oh. and they make like scrubs. They make like oh. uniforms for for like lame yeah and they started uh giving us cease and desist and suing us for the name and we're like we don't even like we don't compete with you guys yeah, and no one's gonna mistake role model t-shirts for scrubs that they're yeah gonna work exactly in. but they kept coming at us and we kept putting money with lawyers to try to like get rid of them and then finally we were like you know what screw mm. this we don't want this anymore and we just stopped doing it wow. and we, we i'm sure we could do it in another way now without using role model clothing. But I want to do it again. And Chuck and I have talked about doing some more stuff because it was really fun to be creative and like trying to like, you know, do some cool logos and stuff. Um, Dude, bring it back, man. I know we really should. Would you, guys, buy it? would you guys just sell it at your shows or there was no, yeah, I mean, so websites? I, at the time that that um, clothing company was like mine, Chuck's and this guy, Pat. Um, so if we did it with, if we sold it at the show, we'd have to like bring in the other guys in the band, which is no problem. It's just a partnership. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we would, we, we used to sell it on Warp Tour. We had his own role model tent. Oh, cool. Um, we, we, it was, uh, they used to have it at, uh, Hot Topic. Oh, cool. And, uh, so it was pretty cool. That's, oh, that's cool. Right. Yeah. Well, I know, I know you got to go soon, go soon. So for the sake of time, I'm going to ask you just a couple questions. Go ahead. Very important. In sync or Backstreet Boys? Backstreet Boys. Same. Yeah, I like they got some great songs. And I InSync is great too, but I like Backstreet Boys a little better. Okay. Um for series, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, or Star Wars? I like them all, but Star Wars. Okay. I'm a I'm a Star Gavin, Wars. Gavin, you're guy. Star Wars too, huh? I, I am Star Wars. But when I think when I really think about it, I go Lord of the Rings because of the books. Really? Yeah. It's it hmm. I'm a Tolkien guy when it comes to I love Star Wars so much that I'll watch something that is, you know, a Star Wars spinoff that's not even that good. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I should mention it. They're not. They're none of them. But you, are good do, do you still like, enjoy it though? I do, but I like. I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't like the Mandalorian. Yeah. I think it's really I, boring. I, I couldn't. I couldn't get through it. I think it's so boring. But I will not stop watching it mm. because it's Star Wars. There's, Star Wars. there's three it's seasons. So there's three seasons, and nothing has happened that changes the main story. Arc I know, and I feel bad because I love John Favreau. I think he's a great, yep. you know, director and writer. But like, I just feel like it's the Mandalorian mm. is. And I and I get upset. I watch it and I'm like, why is this so boring? Yeah, you have Yoda, you have baby Yoda there. Yeah. You could do so much. And yeah. Yet yeah, you haven't put a lightsaber in his hand. No, yet. no, what it's, the hell? it's really weird. Two more easy ones. Favorite Disney movie? Um, is is Finding Nemo D Disney Pixar? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh Finding so, Nemo is amazing. It's so good. So good. Yeah. Finding Nemo is so good. It's amazing. And then, um, by the way, I'm little. These are just the questions I've always wanted to know about Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> these are the these are the, the the intellectual questions I've always wanted to know about Pierre. This is the deep um, stuff. Who was your first celebrity crush that you remember hmm. when you first were like, 
you know, interested in cute girls and being like, oh, I like her. Like, do you remember anything specific? A TV show, a movie? Um, well, one that's going to be a little weird because I don't even know if, I don't even, she's a singer and I'm not sure if she was big around the world or maybe just in Canada. Have you ever heard of Samantha Fox? I haven't. She okay. sounds hot. Yeah. She does sound hot. <laughs> yeah, very hot. Blonde, voluptuous singer. I think she was a Canadian artist and, and, uh, okay. she had a song called Touch Me. And as a, oh. as a 10 year old Hello. or nine year old boy, you know, <laughs> oh I, my goodness. She, and she had those posters where it was like, kind of like, and it was like, oh, touch me. Yeah. It was like super 80s. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, that was like, what is happening in my pants right now? Yeah. Okay. Is there anything that you want to promote? What do you want to talk about? Uh, we're touring a lot. We're uh, we're going uh, to Europe in June, and then we're doing uh, yeah in the U.S. We're doing a big tour with the Offspring, Sum Forty One, Simple Plan, uh, in amphitheaters all across America. This oh fall. yeah, yes, it's uh, I think it's probably part of the Let the Bad Times Roll Offspring tour. Hell yeah, uh, but it's gonna be an awesome lineup, and it's gonna be super fun. And then uh, and then we'll do some new music and the cruise. What else? Yeah, and then yeah maybe the emo's not that cruise. That'd be Let's great. go. Let's go. So you guys heard it here. We're gonna link all that stuff he just said in the bio. So if you are interested about buying tickets on on this tour, and make sure to like and subscribe. Keep emo alive. Thanks for watching, guys. We love you so much. And uh, until next time, thanks, live audience. We love you guys. Jeez. Thanks for being here.